Hi, my name is Elena Dacus, and I'm a host of Bossy Hills podcast. I'm a CEO, a business owner, and a corporate executive. For the last 15 years, I have bought and sold multiple companies worth up to 10 billion US dollars. I'm a wife, a daughter, and a mother of two crazy boys aged four and six. Join me here every week for the journey of personal development, self-discovery, and growth. I will be exploring new productivity hacks, time management tools, and business success strategies. I am obsessed with practical steps you can implement immediately to squeeze all the juice out of life and to become the best version of yourself, your authentic self. I know being a business owner can be a lonely experience, and that's why I love this loving and supportive community of like-minded women who support and cheer for each other. Today we're going to talk about how to be more resilient, how to thrive in the time of change and get those winning habits that will help you to be more effective in 2021, how to find your purpose and even how to be a better parent. Today I'm speaking to Jeremy Davis, a high performance expert, published writer, an accomplished motivational speaker and an experienced senior executive in one of the world's largest global organizations. He has a coaching practice where he works with leaders and CEOs of top companies. He has that incredible passion for coaching and helping people to become the best version of themselves. So hope you find this insightful. Well, super excited to have you here, Jeremy, today. Actually, you're one of the people I always wanted to interview because, well, first of all, you inspire me and you do have the personality, just, you know, you infuse people with energy. And I love how you work with other people and with other stakeholders. So we're going to go all over the place today. There are lots of questions I have for you. And uh, please, uh, let's just be, let's just take this as it goes. But I think what we'll, perhaps we'll start is is this theme of resilience and especially in the time of change now and with everything that's happening I just maybe want to delve into your thoughts around how best manage change or what should people be thinking about how do they how do they stay resilient yeah it's a super super question and it's lovely to be here I'm really looking forward to having the chance for us to have a discussion about such a, a wide range of subjects as we've discussed before though I have no idea where you're going to go with this so yeah. it'll be great just to talk uh, resilience is is a subject I am massively passionate about 2020's been a year like no other really in so many places I mean you've, you've got obviously the challenges of the pandemic you've got challenges of the economy all over the place there are so many changes that are coming at people in addition to all the other changes that have been coming, things like the global warming, things like the technology agenda. I mean, just it's everywhere. The speed of life is so fast. So this concept of resilience, I think, is is never been more important than it is now. And I've worked very hard with a, a large number of people around this because I think there's a couple of key messages about resilience that we have to understand. I think the first one is to be really clear about the things that we can affect and the things that we can't affect. And and I know so many people that spend so much time uh, dwelling on things that they really honestly can't affect. It's just worrying almost nearly for worrying sake, but then miss out on some of the things that they can do that would naturally be able to help them through these times of change. And I think what we've certainly what I've been trying to do and what I've been doing with a number of friends is to try and work with people to really clearly identify what can people do. And in every one of these situations, there are things that you can do to take control. And I think it was Tony Robbins who said uh, many years ago that uh, change is just constant. It's inevitable, but that progress is optional. And so we're playing very much in the progress is optional space here. So for instance, in organizations that are going through major reorganizations, every member of staff can can sit there and say, okay, I need to make sure I've written a new CV, that I make sure that I've worked out what are the new skills that are available in the marketplace. What what do I need to make myself relevant? What, what's the training courses that I need to go on? How do I talk about myself? How do I, how do I, how do I? And so within the confines of the the natural worry that could exist around reorganizations, for instance, in a time when so 
many companies are going through so much change. They're a simple and basic step that mean that people can actually turn something that was a worry into something that becomes an opportunity and they they can then take control of it. So whilst, yeah, again, we look at the whole concept of the pandemic, there are certain health protocols that if you follow them, you can at least minimize the risk at the time about where you are. And and I think if you then start looking at resilience as about how do you empower yourself to cease to be that kind of victim in inverted commas that we all have inside us, every single one of us inside of us has this tendency that just every so often under the wrong circumstances, you can find yourself thinking a bit like a victim, acting a bit like a victim. And I, I think I've never met one single person in my life, not one who wears the clothes of victimhood well. And uh, so I, I spend so much time helping people, trying to understand whenever you come across those feelings of victimhood, what is it that's driving it? And what can we do to take control of the things around that feeling? Because there's always yeah. things that you can do to make it more in your own control and therefore be subject where you don't have to worry quite so much about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also very relevant for people that own their businesses because maybe the path that they thought their business was taking, you know, they they have to pivot. And I think for a lot of people that perhaps was a challenging time to know where to pivot or, you know, lose the idea of what they think they should be doing. For example, if they're, I don't know, running conferences or, you know, they're speakers at certain events, that's not something that's going to happen for them in the near future. But actually, you know, there's other avenues that they can take and it's just being comfortable with that isn't it oh absolutely and and we see this in so many areas of life i mean within the, the confines of corporate life i think big companies are finding it just as difficult as smaller companies to work out those pivot points and how to do that but undoubtedly there are some people during this time of change who are absolutely thriving yeah. That, it, that it's not a space where they're looking at change and, and saying, okay, I'm going to cope. They are positively thriving. They've embraced the change early. They've picked up on what they need to do differently and they've driven forward to a new and exciting world. And there are other businesses that kind of get stuck in this, this is my best practice. This is what I have always done. This is what I am always going to, to follow. And it's that kind of middle line of when does best practice become a rut? And yeah. I, I think this challenge for big and small companies alike is a significant one. But I, I've seen it in the musical world. I, have, I spend a lot of time in my life outside of work and coaching, uh, spending time with music and certain musical groups. Obviously, people can't rehearse together in the way that they used to. They can't perform concerts. They can't do pretty well anything and everything that they used to do. Some groups have absolutely embraced the new current situation, their new normal, and are mm. positively thriving and working in a virtual way, having rehearsals at distance ways. And other people are just sitting there desperate to wish for the old days to come back. And those groups are fracturing and people are going apart. And so one of my favorite phrases has always been doing nothing is actually doing something. So for anybody that's struggling to work out how can I change, what can I do, for instance, in conference speaking, where I can use new technologies like Zoom and and things like Squadcast in in a different way to take the business forward, how can I do that? And they're not doing anything because they're just kind of waiting for the new future. Everybody needs to remember that doing nothing is actually doing something. No, it's amazing. Absolutely agree with you. And is there perhaps moving from that, I think you talked a lot about control and focusing on things that you can control. And one area I'd love to explore with you is this idea of winning habits and what kind of, you know, what habits, you know, people should be thinking about, especially now. Oh, this is a great, uh, great area to go into because I think that the there are definitely different kinds of people in terms of how they've coped in the pandemic. And uh, I, I will tell you a little, little story from a personal perspective. Yeah. When I started, the first week of the pandemic was a really interesting challenge for me. Uh, over, over the course of the previous ten years, I've actually lost something like a hundred pounds in weight, so very wow. significant amount of size. Uh, there is there is materially less Jeremy than there used to be. <laughs> I think I lost about twelve inches off my waist, and so uh, keeping trim, keeping fit, keeping energized, keeping all of those good habits was really important to me because it they'd been well won battles, if you see what I mean. And I didn't want to give up on them. The first week of the pandemic, sitting at home, not moving anywhere near as much, not doing the commute up to London, whole new series of habits and behaviors that clicked in that I didn't choose. They were just the ones that were presented with me. It you have to stay still. At the end of the first week, I was four pounds heavier in the main, not through moving at all and eating lots of cake. That was the 
truly that was the new habit at the end of the first week i just knew that that wasn't going to be sustainable and uh, this is not a sustainable business model putting weight on at, at that rate so i actually went back and sat down and said okay what are the new habits that i want to create so i use my iphone i have a series now of about 15 different physical activities that i do and i and i use technology now very much to positively support the outcomes that i want so every day i still do exercises and i encourage people that i work with to use technology to positively support the intentional habits that they decide that they now need under the current environment. So for owners of small businesses and for owners actually of of some medium-sized businesses as well, the temptation of working at home and not interacting with people is to not be as efficient. So I, I encourage people to put in a real discipline about when do you start your day? When do you end your day? How do you plan your day? And make it a very intentional process. Because if we set out to have the day that we want to have and have the habits around us that give us the outcomes that we want, then we'll be in a much, much better position. So I, uh, I'm very much focused on making sure that I encourage people to start their days in a, a very planned way. So I, I encourage kind of this, this kickoff to the day with a 30-minute definition of how am I going to start my day, planning it, making sure that I know intentionally what I'm trying to do. I know what I want to achieve. And then making sure that I know what I want to achieve, I can structure my day and have the habits that are going to support the outcomes that I want. And I, I think that the, the change, particularly that COVID has brought to so many many people with working at home is that this need to be a disciplined self-starter has never been stronger, has never, ever been stronger. And so working on some frameworks to help people with discipline is a really fun part of what I get to do now because actually so many people struggle with this subject in so many areas of their lives. Do they have the right outcome in both the work outcome, the health outcomes, the relationship outcomes, the whole broad range of outcomes? Actually, quite a lot of it is around can I be disciplined and can I really make good long-term decisions? And I I think you would have seen many, many times where people struggle to make good long-term decisions as opposed to poor short-term decisions, that kind of short-term gratification, as opposed to really long-term structured, what's the best for me? What's the best for the family? What's the best for the business? Those habits become so, so important. And uh, yes. there's, a, there's a great book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. If people haven't read it, they really should. It's it's the simplest and easiest to read book about how to reform great habits that deliver great outcomes. Yes. Um, I, I would just thoroughly recommend it to everybody. No, I agree. And I think one thing I really love that James talks about is is really focusing on the process. So as little, if you have a right process in place with your day, with your health, with your business, then the results will take care of themselves. Oh, totally. um, which actually that was that was really kind of interesting takeaway for me from that book. So let's go. So how do you plan your day? Is it by day, by week, by year? Because especially now it's such a, you know, this is a time of the year to reflect and set the goals for the new year coming. How do you do it? Because I, I want people to walk away with some practical things that they can say, right, wow, I can implement this now. Uh, that's yeah, it's a, another great question. I mean, I do I, I do it at different levels. Is, is the honest start. So kind of at the top of my page, I work out what are the big five, six things that I really want to achieve this year. So at the highest strategic level, I've, I've got this clear view of an outcome. And, and you'll notice that quite a bit about what I'm about to talk about is about outcome focus. Uh, yes. So start off at this highest strategic level. These are the big subjects I want to do. And then uh, what I do on the next part of the page is I come down my metaphorical page about how I'm working it out is underneath each of those five or six items, I have five or six sort of key milestones that I feel that I need to get to by the end of the first quarter. So it's it's not actions. It's very much about milestones. So if somebody wants to write a book, kind of you you need to sit down in that space about I want to write a book where you need to decide what you're going to write about, who the target audiences are. You're going to actually have to work out when you're going to start writing. You're going to have to work out some of the stuff about the content, the length, the how you're going to to have front cover design, whether you're going to get ISBN numbers. What are the big milestones uh, and not the actions in terms of where you get to? When do you want the book to go live? These these kind of big, bigger strategic questions. And then I have this kind of five or six items for the five or six big key areas. And then I'm making sure that every single day of my life, and I, <laughs> I truly do do this every single day of my life, I work at least two of those six. Yes. And so I don't try and do all six because I just know I will fail. I just do 
two. And I spend about an hour on each of those two to make sure that in the noise of doing all the other short-term stuff and all the things that are kind of pressing today that mean that people can run their businesses, get today's work done, that they're not losing sight of the strategic deliverables that they want to get to for the longer term. So it's, yes. it's literally two, two sessions of one hour uh, uh, that I put in. And then at the end of the day, I, I have quite a reputation for doing this, but I don't like doing emails during the day. I think multitasking is a really bad idea. So I protect time and block time very, very significantly. When I'm working on one of my strategic issues, I'm working on one of my strategic issues. I am not flitting out of answering the phone. I'm not flitting around going back into emails and different bits and pieces. Answering email is a specific activity for me, as opposed to I feel the need to be that being my whole job. My, my job is to get up in the morning and just respond to whatever anybody's thrown yes. at me. That's, that's not the way my life works. So it's very much about this use of block time. And then, and then the final two things that I do all the time is I've got this constant running list of who do I need to speak to today? Who can help me? And then because they have the cheek of not necessarily always being free when I, when I need to speak to them, I have a, a, a kind of brother and sister list that goes along of, and who are the people that I'm waiting to still get hold of or waiting for them to come back to me to help me? So I, I don't lose that people dynamic about mm. who, I, who I'm working with and how I'm working with them. And then the final thing is, as I just kind of write down, what are the five or six things that I must do? No doubt about them. These are not kind of things that are going, going to go on an action list that I might get round to. What are the key kind of five or six things that the day cannot finish without me getting this stuff done? And I mean, that will be work items, that will be family items, that will be anything items, whether it be buying something from a mother or sorting something out for the children, as well as what are the key work items that have to be done. And, and when I started doing this, I don't know why, I used to make myself have 10 of these items every day. I have no idea why I did that. It just felt like a, a good thing to do. What a crazy idea that was. I nearly killed myself. Sometimes it's only four or five. Sometimes it gets up to six. It very rarely goes above that because you're, you've got to get things done and, and contract with yourself yes. to get things done. And do you know the great thing about this, linking back to what we started with, with resilience? It's the most incredible feeling when you look at the big main strategy and you see that every day it's actually moving forward just a little bit. Yes, yes. And, and the sense of satisfaction when you get to the end of the day that you've done all your exercises that you wanted to do, that you've done your actions that you wanted to get to, that the day has moved forward and that actually life is moving forward as opposed to life is stagnating and is it all doom and gloom because we've got this COVID thing and we've got all these new troubles that we never knew how to work with. Emotionally, the day just gets so much stronger yes. because you have this constant belief that progress may be small, but it's absolutely happening. Does that right. does that make some kind of sense about how that no, kind of flows through? It, it makes perfect sense. And what I love about this, it's also five things. It's not 10, it's not 15, it's not 20, because you're more likely to accomplish five and have that sense of satisfaction at the end of the day that you can actually relax and be less stressed. Well, very much so. And I, for me, this I kind of try and contract with myself. Mm -hmm. This is a big lesson that I had to learn around my relationship between me as a worker, as an, as an employee and as a small business owner, as opposed to my commitments as a father, for instance. And so my inability sometimes to end working at a certain time, I'm ruthless now that I end at six o'clock. But if you think about it, if you let your day extend too long, you're stealing time off another group of people who you've also made commitments to. And yes. so I really do encourage people that I work with to think about the commitments that they've made, the commitments to family and to the work that they do, and to work out the fact that actually is this piece of work that I'm about to pretend is really important and critical that means I'm so important that I can't stop. Actually, would that stop me playing Guitar Hero with my son, who I'd promised to do that? And the answer to that is actually no. And so the key for me, going back to what you were saying with this five, the quality of my ability to say no to things is, and quite often that's with myself, I may hasten to add, rather than with anybody else. Yeah, my absolutely. ability to say no and stay focused on what's really important means that when I say yes, I'm a rock star. But but you can only get to that space when you understand that you've got one head, two hands, two legs, and 24 hours in a day. And none of those things are going to change. You're not going to grow an extra head. You're not going to grow any extra hands. And there isn't going to be more than 24 hours in a day. It's how you use the time, not can I just work harder? And yes. I see so many people doing that. Yes. And I think that's so important. We said it's, you know, it's making the biggest amount of impact in the shortest 
time available. And I think it's a specific, potentially real issue for, you know, women and men, entrepreneurs that have their own business, that actually they love what they do and they don't want to stop. (laughs) And there is never a sense of, there's always more you can do in a day. There's never an end point. There's more calls you can make. But, you know, there is uh, family time and, uh, as you say, commitments to your family that is also as important. I think this is a crucial point that you've raised. I I really do. And I'm really glad that we're going to discuss this because I think this is a a massive point. If if you go back, though, to the metaphor of athletics, just for a second, we we know that people run some amazing times on things like marathons now. I mean, whoever thought that we'd be seeing a a view of the world where the two-hour mark would potentially go in a race kind of kind of thing whoever knew where that would go but the reality is is that you can be a lot faster in sprints than you can be by running marathons and i think this piece about what is sustainable and what is long term is missed too often you will actually make significantly faster progress by sprinting and then having a rest and being well rested than you will do by working incredibly hard. And um, as you know, I've done a lot of research into how high performers activate themselves and how they are different from mere mortals in terms of what they do. And getting, for instance, eight hours sleep is a massive, massive differentiator. And runners run something like 5% faster when they've had eight hours sleep. Throwers throw something like 9%, 10% further when they've had eight hours sleep. And so this constant belief that just says, the more I stay on on the treadmill, the more I do it, even if it's dressed up with the motivation of, but I love this. Yes. It's incredibly gently, I would say, short-sighted. Because yes, we go through phases where you have to work hard, you have to set things up, you have to do things. But but honestly, something that you love, I, I have the same thing with my passion for music. I know some other people, for instance, who've got passion for things like golf and such like. Something that you love that consumes you will rapidly become something that you don't love. Mm. And keeping keeping a joy in your heart about what you do, I think is a critical success factor for people in small businesses and large businesses alike that never lose the joy and never lose the purpose about why you're doing it. You're doing it for a whole multitude of reasons. Some of them are personal, but some of them are also about the family. Some of them are also about sense of satisfaction. And having that balance in everybody's life, I think is just so critical to long-term happiness, sustainability, and, and joy. And, and at the end of the day, we get one life and we're called to be joyful in that life, yes. not to be hardworking or miserable or successful, I may hasten to add. What you want is that balance of happy, joyful, and successful and working hard. And it can be done, but it just needs some disciplines. Yes, yes. No, I think that is uh, incredible, actually. And just going back to the way you plan your time, because I think it links so nicely. So five things, outcome-based, focused on outcomes for the quarter and outcomes for the year. Is there any more planning you do around the month, the week, or is that is it just the quarter focused and then on a daily basis? No. So I, I do one other level, which is a very kind of unofficial keeping an eye on something view of the world. So mm-hmm. because I have two one-hour sessions per day, in the week, obviously, I have five of those. So it's 10 one-hour sessions. And if you're running your top five kind of key strategic deliverables, and therefore, you, you get that ability to spend two a week. So I keep a little overview in the week to make sure that I'm not focusing all that time on one, because I want all five to be moving at the same time. Okay. And so kind of I have a budget in my head metaphorically in my head that it's two sessions per each individual one per week now sometimes that needs to change because one is more important and one can be deferred and i I kind of move that then from that one gets three and that one might get one so i have an overlay it's just an overlay about what i do in the week in the overall pulling together of the week but on a daily basis is where it really starts getting exciting because mm-hmm. every single meeting, I know exactly why I'm going in. I know exactly what my deliverables are. I know exactly what I need to get out of that meeting. And I know why I am there. And and I think so many people find themselves in, in meetings where they actually have no idea why they're there. They have no idea who they're speaking to. They have no idea what the agenda is. And they intend filling the meeting up because it said it was half an hour. I'm going to be there for half an hour. Yes. And, and, and it's that discipline to break that cycle that I think makes so much difference that if you, if you really get into chasing the minutes and know exactly why you are there and exactly what you're trying to do unless you're billing by the minute 
you shouldn't be looking at the minutes. It's it's kind of one of those classic, classic things. If you can get it done in 20 minutes instead of half an hour, get it done in 20 minutes. Be yes. super focused on what's the what's the deliverable. I, I, I sat in one meeting some time ago. Honestly, I, 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 I promise you I'm not exaggerating. I went into one meeting and I sat there and after people had done the introductions, that was 24 minutes of the half an hour. And everyone was telling me about how they were getting on at COVID and everyone was telling me about how it was life was difficult. And, and so we'd actually sat down and had a meeting about how everybody was getting on with COVID as opposed to what the content of the meeting was actually supposed to be about. And we'd run out of time for that because we were just trying to check to see actually how is everybody. And I think having that discipline, even with that heart matter to say, okay, look, it's important that we know where we all are. Let's make sure we get that closed off in the first five minutes. And, yes. and then we've got the other 25 minutes to discuss the content as opposed to, oh yeah, now we've done the introductions. Oh, I suppose we'd better end the meeting now. And that That's can right. happen so, so easily if you're not careful. So easily, so easily. And I love the way you say it. it's actually been very intentional about why that, what you're trying to achieve and thinking about in advance, isn't it, when you do that planning. Yes. Um, so helpful. One other th- thing that I heard you talk about before, which I think is so important, is this best of myself, a best of Jeremy and the worst of Jeremy. And I'd love you to kind of unpack it for people because it, when I heard you first speak about it, I thought it was really is incredible. First of all, it's a self-awareness tool and then it's for self-awareness and then being able to manage that as well so tell us more about this so yeah this became uh, this this became and has become and will continue to be a real focus for me on on these things i i think every person that's listening to this podcast will understand that they have certain behaviors that will define the best of them and certain behaviors that will define something that's not the best of them we we all we all none of us are perfect Let's, let's put it gently like that. I, I found in my life that an aspiration to positively be the good things about me has really materially changed my life. So I have five words. You may have gathered I like the concept of five. It's an, it's an interesting number. It's enough that I can, I can cope with without getting confused. But I have these five words and, for instance, one of those words is joyful. And so at seven o'clock in the morning, I get a reminder on my phone to remind me to be joyful. I have the five words, actually. And at seven o'clock at night, I have another reminder to remind me to be joyful because joy for me is is kind of happiness on steroids and it's a positive active thing and a me that's giving joy and giving energy to everybody else is uh, a thing of beauty a me that gets inward looking that gets selfish that doesn't really try to energize or, or get out there and reach out is actually something which is less than the best of me so i consciously set out to be joyful one of my other words is around i like to be disciplined a, a, a disciplined jeremy gets an awful lot of stuff done a, a, a jeremy that doesn't want to be disciplined is is a thing that is the opposite of beauty <laughs> a, a, a kind of a guy that gets up doesn't get shaved doesn't get dressed, doesn't make the bed. It's, there's nothing particularly great about that, if you know what I mean. I think not being disciplined is really easy. You just get up and fail. Whereas uh, the yes. best of me is an incredibly disciplined person that, that gets up. And so I, I didn't learn to become a competent trumpet player by being indisciplined. I learned by being following routines and practicing and all of those kind of things. So I, I yet again, one of my other words is, is around this. And um, I, I mean, I, I won't go through all five, but I will go through the last one, which was about kind. Actually, uh, mm-hmm. a Jeremy that's kind is focused on other people. A, a Jeremy that's selfish, actually, I, I, I never think that brings the best out of me when I focus on self all the time. It's actually much better for me to be focusing on how I give to others, which is why I do so much of this stuff. Um, so I have these words. And, and the way I, I found these words, of course, was uh, it's very difficult to think about your positive qualities. I think most of us struggle to think about our positive qualities. So I started by thinking about what were the five worst things about me. That was where I kicked off. And I found I could get in touch with the five worst things of me an awful lot easier than I could the five best things. <laughs> and so I started, I started there and I thought, you know what, if you can be the opposite of the worst things about you, Oh, okay. Then you will not do too badly. And so I set out on this view of the world. I thought, actually, well, a me that is selfish, horrible, really don't like me when I'm when I'm like that. So I decided that actually, no, I was going to fundamentally start focusing on every day I wanted to be kind. And and I went into well, when I'm when I'm glum and I can suck the light out and energy out of a room. So I, I refuse to do that. So I'm this positive, joyful, uh, joyful person. And I think those people that know me well understand that I can be as annoying at nine o'clock in the morning as I can be at five p.m. at night. I am the same level of energy right through the whole day it comes because of the fact that i am disciplined i do work on my health and my fitness stuff but i I really have this joy and this energy in my soul and i honestly believe that my job is to give energy to others 
Mm. So I really focus on being this kind of, and and Brenda Bouchard talks about this as well. I think it, there's this piece about in life, there are very few things that actually give energy. The majority of people, uh, people and things consume energy. But if you think of that classic metaphor of the power plant, the power plant takes something in and then it gives energy to everybody. I have absolutely set out by being the best of me to be that power plant that that no matter what situation I'm in, no matter who I'm working with, no matter what group I'm working with, I, I take it on myself to be the energy source that then other people can feed off. Because it's so important, particularly in the current times, that we all focus on giving as much energy to others as we can. Because in giving, guess what? We all know the truth. The more you give, actually, yeah. the more that you receive. And the more you look after people. I've had so many so many wonderful um, things that have happened where people have just been so kind and generous back to me. But it's all because yeah. I actually then consciously had started to say, I'm going to positively choose how my outcomes come. And I think that's just so, so critical. So this is kind of a bit of the context for where you were about my journey about I'm sort of become slightly obsessed about making sure that the best of me rocks up. But, it, but equally, one other thing that I just want to add on the end of it, I'm incredibly forgiving of myself when I make a mistake that's interesting you cannot be no one is called to a life of perfection they're not you have to keep you have to keep the bar and i compare myself to the person i was yesterday not the person that i want to be and so for me it's about a constant improvement to get better rather than a i'm i'm falling short of a standard that would define somebody who was kind all the time so if i do ever say anything that's not kind i sit there and i go actually that's one for you to learn from and don't be harsh on yourself, but make sure that you've learned from the experience and you've made yourself and, and then get on with it. And it's a bit like the same when you're on a on a kind of on a diet kind of thing. It's kind of if you have that cake, don't kill, don't throw the whole thing away because you've had a bad experience of it. Just learn, be kind on yourself and, and yeah. move forward. And I think that's the that's the key. So I don't want people to think that there's anything in this that forces people to hit for perfection. It's just about making sure that you improve from where you were where you are on your journey every day and that you commit to trying to make every day just that little bit better than the previous one. That's right. And I think that's so much, I think it's such an important point because there is sort of a lot of, um, as you rightly said, if you don't hit those objectives or goals or where you want yourself, your best self to be on certain days where you just don't feel like it or you just, everything goes um, terribly wrong, that you can have this kind of a, you know, you feel really down about yourself or unsatisfied. Or so I think it's been kind to yourself like you would to others. It's such an important point, actually. It, it is. And I think the other thing about it is, is to understand that we all need help. None of yeah. us are an island. I mean, absolutely none of us are an island. And I think for, particularly for people that run their own business, where they're carrying loads and burdens and all sorts of pressures that other people can't really necessarily understand because they're not carrying those burdens. Make sure that you've got people around yourself. I do this all the time. Make sure I've got people around myself who I can talk to. Make sure I've got people that I can work with who encourage me, who help grow me and and are a great external source to say, Look, are you actually being too hard on yourself? Mm. Are, you, are you giving yourself a chance? And sometimes having that person who's just that little bit away from the day to day helps you bring some realism to uh, are you really being kind on yourself or are you seeing the woods for the trees kind of thing I, I really do think having people in your life that who can kind of be gentle but kind accountability partners to say well when we were talking I know this is what you were wanting to do how are you getting on for this is there anything that I can do to help you succeed as opposed to I'm a failure I was doing it all on my own and it's been a disaster and I've not stuck to the guns of, of what I wanted to do I think that's a, that's a real learning for me about surround yourself with people who can help you yes. be the person that you want to be i'm a great believer in having uh, great friends around you i'm a great believer in having people that really want good things for you but i'm also a great believer in having coaching of having uh, professional support around you that helps you with those motivation levels that we were talking about before and about how do you intentionally set out to do those things particularly on the days when as you, as you and i both know life can be kind of a bit oppressive and a bit against you and you want to move in a different direction not because you want to move in a different direction but because life is taking you in a different direction yes so for me, that that whole piece about how do you really properly surround yourself with people that build you up and take you forward is a massive subject. And I think is a it's probably one of the most important things that I've seen about the difference between people who succeed and people who find success harder to get to is that intentional belief about the fact that we, we're not islands. 
We're not built to be islands. And how can we surround ourselves with people who want great things for us and build us up? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and yes, it's asking for help, isn't it? It's relying on others to help you in your journey. And I think it's especially for people that own their own business, entrepreneurs that actually it's themselves they're accountable for, that it's investment in themselves, in their business that's going to really help them through it. And one more question I want to ask you is um, your thoughts about this idea of finding your purpose. So I hear a lot of people that I speak to are kind of having this difficulty or disconnected in what they're doing to their purpose or they're lacking purpose or they're looking for one, they can't find it. What would be your thoughts on that? I mean, maybe just to set us off, one thing that I found helpful, it was I think it was Dolly Parton's quote when she says, find out who you are and do it on purpose. Yeah, and I I think this is a massive subject for for everybody individually, and I, I can say I've been on a bit of a journey of this one myself. Uh, in truth, so. I think there is a, a very strong draw on society to get us dragged into doing things that become very transactional. This is my job. I go, I do it, I commute, I sit at a desk, I pay my taxes. I, I It's very, very routine. And it's a good thing to the extent that it protects some of the predictability about how we pay bills and what we want to do. I think it, that's not necessarily a great key to happiness. And so when I look at people, for instance, and you, you see this quite often in faith communities, where, for instance, people give up uh, existing jobs, they give up because they, be- they believe in something and they sign up, not necessarily for something which is chasing the money, they don't necessarily sign up for something that is chasing all those things that you and I would define as the kind of more normal challenges of career. They, they go for something which is much more about, I believe in this, I believe it's important, I have purpose. And so they're able to replace some of those disciplines that mere mortals might have about, I'm getting up because I need to get paid today, with something which is slightly stronger. I think you see that a lot in, as I say, that was a faith-based community example. You see that with people who doctors and nurses and more vocational type views of the things. It's like, I do this work and I get paid as opposed to I get paid and this is the work I do. And I think it, yeah. to me, the nature of purpose is about reversing the the order of where you make decisions. Would I go for this job because it's the highest paid job or would I do this job because it's actually the thing that connects to my inner soul? So, I think for people that find purpose, I mean, one of the one of the, the most beautiful frameworks I ever saw that um, I've seen people use and, and has, has delivered great outcomes is to, is to actually sit down and say, uh, what are the five things in life that I love doing the most? And, and so, I, for instance, I know somebody who loved travel, who loved watching sport, uh, who loved computers, who, what else did they do? They liked, they liked doing lots of reading, whole different bits and pieces. And they were sitting down trying to work out what it was they wanted to do. And actually, they ended up uh, becoming a sports correspondent on a newspaper. And what they actually found was that the work that they were doing, rather than it being work, it was like, I'm doing the things that I love. Oh, and by the way, I get paid. And, and people, I think, that find purpose in their life find then that they don't have to fight those battles of intentionality quite so strongly. They don't have to fight their reasons why quite so strongly because actually they're doing something that really resonates with their core. Yes, and, yeah. and there have been times for me in my career where I've been doing work where it's like, really? Is that really what I wanted to do when I when I was kind of going through school and college? You're kind of going through that education process. Did I absolutely imagine myself sitting at this desk bashing emails out? No, this is not what I woke up and thought, this is my connection with life. For me, it's all about people. I love being with people, working with people, supporting people, helping people. And so I get much more energized about how I can help people than I do about, can I sit down and design a, a working? process. Both I'm competent to do, but what is it that really makes me come alive? So I seek in all work that I do, even the things that I don't really like doing um, or feel are connected to my purpose, I always try and find ways of making connections back to what is my inner purpose. Because then Mm -hmm. what I'm doing really enables my energy levels to stay high, to really keep me focused on enjoying what I do. And I've seen this in so many others. And and I, I think that people that run small businesses actually have an innate thing about this. They don't tend to set up businesses for things that they hate. They, yes. they set up businesses of things that they love. So stay connected to your purpose and make mm-hmm. decisions that keep you on your purpose, as opposed to following some of the temptations of going down routes of doing things that you don't love, really not feeling connected to it. And and talk about your purpose. Be really clear about why do I do this? I do this, yeah, because I want to earn some money out of it. But I also do this because, and then go down that journey about how and why it works. And I, I think yeah. then that people get very passionate 
That's right. About what they do. And I don't know anything more attractive in a person. Honestly, I don't know anything more attractive in a person than an underlying energy, enthusiasm, passion and excitement for the purpose that they have in their life. And I think when you see that, you know you've seen it. And oh, yeah, I would and I, I, that's what I, that's what I've seen. The people that I've seen who've really been able to stay connected to their purpose have done powerful and great, great things. And I believe that is in every single person. I don't believe there's one person listening to this session that if they sat down and really thought about what is my purpose, mm. I don't believe that it, that they couldn't find it. I, don't, I honestly don't believe that that is something that is only exists in some people. I think it, it exists in every person, but it is very easy to lose it. Yes, I agree. And most times it is not going to be selfish thing. It's about making impact, impact either on other people or making things better. And I think that's where I see people getting really fired up and really their eyes lit up because there's something bigger than them that they're serving. Yeah, and, and, and I think I fully agree with that. And one other thing that I think is also important to stress is that life is a journey mm. and your purpose can change. It actually can change. It, it's not, I don't believe that we're put on this earth to have one purpose for our entire time. I think there is a, there is a piece about kind of the seasons and the reasons. And, and, and I honestly believe that we have experiences, we learn things and actually evolves our purpose. And so, for instance, I, I could well see that somebody, for instance, on who believed passionately in climate change, as an example, might have some experiences that meant actually they became even more passionate about a certain subset of where it was in it, or a, or a, a, a not quite such a broad area, but a more specific piece. Um, I think that kind of stuff, where your purpose evolves, don't be scared about your purpose changing. It's not a once in a lifetime, this is my purpose, it's preset and it never alters. I really do believe that purposes refine and and do change like all other things. And if you learn and you develop skills, you'll find that your purpose, I think, will go with it. Yes. And it will be and it will be refined and it will be honed. Yeah. And maybe a different question. Are you different as a parent? Is your parenting skills or your parenting philosophy in light of that is kind of evolving and changing? So <laughs> it's another great question. Uh, my daughter is a passionate musician. She's a very talented singer. She's a very talented songwriter. And it frustrates me just as to how good she is with words and how she can make very intimate subjects really come alive in, in the basis of how she writes lyrics. Um, she was very much on the edge of, I probably need to go off to university and do an English degree. I love words and I'm going I'm to do that. And I, I did look at her and say, but is that going to make you come alive? And the answer to that clearly was going to be no. And so she actually has gone off and done a songwriting and, uh, and production degree. Um, I feel Amazing. that as a parent, my job is to support her doing the things that she is passionate about. Um, my son is totally different. He is much more into what you and I would recognize as a more mainstream commercial view of the world. He's also a passionate musician, but he doesn't ever want to do it as a career, which I, I absolutely get. So he's he's actually off doing business analysis work and being a management consultant and doing all sorts of different bits and pieces. So I don't have a, a one size fits all because I think as a parent, you need to understand it's not about what you're passionate about. It's about what the children are passionate about. And so I've yeah. had to learn to say, okay, if you truly believe that it's about passion, do you you then actually say to your children or well, no, you're gonna you're gonna t follow a sensible career and I, I mean i started off in in my journey of employment i started off working in a bank and learning to become a bank manager and honestly i can't think of anybody less qualified to be at a job which doesn't in any way shape or form connect to their purpose and i did it for three years Hmm. Then I just decided that it was time to leave and go and do something where I was much more connected to, to people. And so I actually left and went into a sales career. But but I went into that kind of stayed career because everyone kind of thought at that, that time in the 80s, well, working in a bank, that's a good, solid, upstanding kind of career. Whereas as a parent, I'm actually the exact opposite of this. It's absolutely do what you are passionate about and it will yeah. work out all right. And, and trust yourself to back yourself 
that you really are good enough. And you've you've heard me talk about this subject before. I innately encourage people to truly believe that they are good enough, not because they may necessarily have all the skills that they need today, but they have the skill and the knowledge to learn. And if you come at life from that angle that says, you know what, to be a success in whatever view, yeah, I need a bit of luck, but actually I can also help that luck by learning new skills and learning new things. And so follow your passions and what are the skills that you need to support those passions? That, that's my... That's my view and I as a parent. So fundamental because that's probably key to happiness because then you're in the journey of joy and fulfillment and you're constantly growing and you're constantly learning because what 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 a gift that is. I think there's this whole piece about being a lifelong learner, that's that's been a massive lesson for me. When I when I left full time education, it was like, Oh, thank goodness that's over. <laughs> Uh, kind of kind of view of the world and and i i took probably five six seven ten years where I kind of the concept of i've got to go back and do more formal learning was something that was just i was just all learned out <laughs> i was just there was nothing left that i wanted to do whereas actually my my relationship with learning every day is a new day for learning i'm very diligent about making sure that i read every day i'm very diligent about making sure that I watch short videos every day to, to take things forward. And this concept is about the fact that actually life itself is about a learning journey and how you react to that learning and the decisions that you make as a result of that learning. This, this is what defines us as people, our ability to learn. And I would encourage everybody on the uh, who's listening to this this particular broadcast to ask themselves actually what is what is it that they need to learn not even necessarily what is it that they want to learn but actually what is it that you need to learn to take you to the next level because mm. for every one of us you there will be something that you actually need to learn and so some people for instance might want to make podcasts and things but they've got to learn the technology about how to use it well 95 percent of people are not prepared even at that level even if it's their passion to say, I'm going to invest the time then to learn. And so they never make things happen because they, they adopt this kind of more view of a victim to say, well, I haven't got the skills that I need. Well, you've got the gift to learn, my friends. You have the gift to learn. And if that is the case, don't ever let things like, well, I don't know how to do it, be a good reason to say, I'm not going to do it. And and that's the joy that I, th I think that you find in this whole space, Elena, that you can, yes. you can truly truly drive anything in your life because you have the gift that you can learn yes. and you can make mistakes did you all, yes absolutely and you know mistakes are you know failures are our greatest lessons and absolutely and have you always when did you discover this have you always been that way towards learning personal development you know really focusing on yourself and because i find you probably you know one of the best class at that i mean you are really exceptionally good at those things and teaching it to others but when did it come to you were you brought up that way is this how your parents taught you or was uh, no what, no this was this was definitely a learning i mean i'm I have the joy of being, I'm 53. I don't even mind saying it. I'm, I'm 53. Um, I, I probably have been like this for the last 15 years, I would mm. say. So late thirties, I, I kind of worked out that you needed to start taking more of a, an accountability in your own life. You needed to, to step into those things. And it's been just incredible the journey that I've been on. And I look at the me of then and I look at the me of now and they are unrecognizable. Wow. And, uh, you know, we, we talked and uh, you've seen some of the pictures as well, where I, I went on this journey where I lost a hundred pounds in weight. That physical transformation uh, is really huge. When you, when you lose sort of 60, 65 kilos or whatever it is, hundred pounds in, in weight, you physically look different. My waist changed by 12 inches. I mean, it's a big old, it's a big old yes. physical difference. But I tell you, the mental and emotional and competency-based transition that I've made over that period of time is far greater than the physical transformation. And this, this to me, is one of the biggest learnings of, of the journey of self-development and self-improvement, that actually people look at the physical change and they go, wow, that is amazing because it's something that you can see. But I tell you, learning and a, and a culture for permanent learning is actually the thing that enables you to say, do you know what the the outputs in my life of how I feel? Yes. That's been an even more dramatic learning for me. And there's no way I put it down now. There's no way I would put it down. And I have a I have a real passion to to say to people, honestly, this kind of journey is available to everybody. And I my only regret on this journey is is that I didn't start until my late thirties. If I could have started mm -hmm. at my early thirties or if I could have stated in my mid twenties or or I would have 
I would have made yet further progress. And so I don't, I'm not harsh on myself for the fact that it, it took me until my late thirties to, to be there and until I was a parent. But I tell you, it's been without a doubt the finest thing or the best decision I ever made on there to, to say, no, I'm going to, I'm going to work on being a better me. I'm going to work on being the best me that I can. And I'm going to work out not just learning all this stuff and keeping it close to my chest, but I'm going to learn it all and I'm going to share it all. And I'm going to talk to people to help them. And my whole heart in doing that is absolutely what you were saying before. It's about the connection to purpose. I believe that I'm called to help people. The the best of Jeremy is somebody that helps people and and is not inward looking. And I think that is true for so many people. And I think sometimes the pressures of society encourage us to not be like that. And I've, I've kind of been fighting back against some of those pressures, really. So it's been a very exciting journey. No, absolutely. Thank you for that. So last two questions. So tell people where they can find you if they did want to reach out and work with you further. So um, I run a I run a little company which is called Intentional Resources. You'll be surprised to know that when I set my company up, it was it had the word intentional in it because I'm just passionate about how we work with that. So um, I, I work there. I, I have a, an email address that people can contact me on, which so we'll is actually it new. Perhaps in the episode. Yeah, it, it, it's actually yeah. There'll be a link down there, which is New Dawn New Life Outlook dot com. But we'll put that in um, down the down the bottom, and people can uh, reach out and email to me because I, I really do have this this passion about it. Is about new dawns for people. This whole subject is about new dawns, and it's about new lives. And it's about finding a better life and uh, that excitement about the new dawn. So new dawn, new life at outlook.com uh, is how people can get hold of me. Very happy to help people either on a formalized basis or a more in- informal basis, um, even just to talk and listen to see where, where people are. I mean, there's so many different needs that different people have, but it's uh, it would be a privilege and, and anybody that wants to reach out, that's uh, that's more than fine. Fantastic. And maybe last question. I ask all my guests, imagine this is your 85th birthday. So far away, far away from now. And this is um, your day. You have been surrounded and celebrated by your friends and family and they standing up and toasting your life. What do you want them to say? Um, I want them to say three things. I want them to say that they felt loved. I want them to feel that they mattered and that my life mattered, and that we uh, really looked after each other, and that as a team we've really had a great interaction both ways. I think if you can if you can look back and say we've had a great time, we've lived well, that you can you can say that you've been loved, and that you can say that the life that you've lived has mattered, then you haven't gone too far wrong from having a great life. And I think that's the aspiration that I want to to get to that it's kind of live loved and mattered Fantastic. is a good. It's a good thing. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Thank you for your time. Uh, It's a pleasure. And um, thank you so much for the opportunity to come and chat. I've really enjoyed it. Hi, if you found this useful and you want to hear more, go on bossyheels.com. We are shortly will be launching our membership service for business owners and entrepreneurs. So if you have a business and you want to take it to the next level, or if you have a business idea and want to grow it, then bossyheels.com is a place for you. We have the resources, the training to support every stage of your business. And in our membership community, we have goal uh, setting sessions, accountability coaching, expert advice and questions and answer session and really laser coaching for your specific needs for your specific business issues and this is a place to find your new business partners your customers your clients so if this sounds like right for you get in touch with us on bossyheels.com i'd love to hear from you